you know, the way that I like to describe hypnosis really is something you think you should be able to do, but you're not able to do it. It can help you because there has to be that information that what I call there's some bad data inside and the bad data inside you could also call limiting belief. I'm not good enough. I'm not smart enough. You know, my brother's smarter than me. I'll never, you know, I'll never be successful in my life. All of those types of things, even if they've happened to us years ago, even if you think you've addressed it, um, if you're not able to do what you'd like, uh, hypnosis is a good tool. Welcome to another episode of Success Through Failure. This is your host, Jim Harshaw Jr. And today I bring you Erica Flint. For years, I struggled to find the clarity of purpose in my life and the single-minded focus that I had when I was an athlete. You know, it just felt like I was working hard, but not really getting any closer to where I wanted to go. And to be honest, I really didn't even know or have a clear vision on where I wanted to go. Then I discovered a powerful four-step blueprint that I began to apply to my life, and it changed everything. Now, every morning, I'm excited to attack the day because I have a clarity of purpose, and I have confidence in my plan, and I have peace of mind in knowing that I'm back on that path to elite success. Anyone, and I mean anyone, can use this four-step process to recreate the key elements in the life of an elite performer so you can regain that clarity of purpose and that single-minded focus so that you can both achieve your goals and live a balanced life. I created a, a free PDF for you outlining the four-step Reveal Your Path Blueprint for Success just go to jimharshawjr.com slash blueprint. That's jimharshawjr.com slash blueprint to get instant access to that free PDF. Erica is an award-winning hypnotist and three-time best-selling author. She's a speaker on hypnosis and the self-actualized mind. And she co-hosts the popular podcast series, Hypnosis, etc. And she's the founder of Cascade Hypnosis Center and training uh, for training and services out in Bellingham, Washington. And I know what you're probably thinking, hypnosis, why am I even thinking about listening to an episode on hypnosis? Well, I want to tell you, I had a crazy experience the first time that I witnessed a hypnotist. And I talk about that with Erica here in this episode. And I eventually got over the fact that it can be a really weird thing, and I dove into it myself. I hired a hypnotherapist, and I went to three sessions, had a, an amazing breakthrough on the third session. And I've since learned that people like Tiger Woods and Kevin Costner, Barack Obama, Matt Damon, Jack Nicholas, Sylvester Stallone, on and on and on, use or have used hypnotists and hypnotherapy. So I encourage you to open your mind Check out this weird thing because this is all about reprogramming how we think and we feel. It's about performance. It's about dealing with failure. And as Erica talks about in this episode, she says, you know, think about what is it that you think that you should be able to do, but you can't seem to do it. Hypnosis can help with that. So check it out. Here's my interview with Erica Flint. Erica, welcome to the show. Hey, Jim. It's great to be here. Thanks for having me. I am excited to have you. I've been thinking for a while now that I've wanted to have a hypnotist on here, and I'm so glad that we connected and glad this worked out. So let's just start with this. Before we get into all of the, the questions that I have, I have so many uh, about hypnotherapy, uh, even though I have 
done hypnotherapy. Uh, I want to learn more about it. And I, I, I want my listeners to learn so much about it because it's so powerful. Uh, and there's a lot of myths out there that I want to bust. Um, so first, tell us about your background. How did, you know, tell us about you know, kind of where you grew up and sort of 30,000 foot view of how you got from there to here. Sure. Well, I grew up in the Pacific Northwest. I went to the University of Washington. Um, and then I became a software engineer and I worked in Silicon Valley for many years programming computers. And um, that was a great job. But I found at some point in my life um, that I was unhappy, just kind of unfulfilled. And I had done everything that I thought I was supposed to do. You know, you get married, you have the career, the car, the house, and all of that stuff that we're told. Uh, as you know, young people go do this and this will make you happy. And I remember waking up one day and I'm like, I'm really not happy. And that kind of started a real low point in my life because um, I ended up going through some real, really challenging periods. And I ended up in the hospital, actually, in the emergency room, wondering whether I wanted to continue or not. So it was a real low point. I decided to keep living. What happened there? Do you mind if if, if you don't mind me asking. Oh, I started started drinking. I, uh, you know, I had to struggle with alcohol for a couple of years and just really got in this really low point and just didn't really want to continue with my life. You know, I had done, like I said, everything I thought I was supposed to do and the, the happiness wasn't there. I started self-soothing with alcohol. One thing led to another. Um, and I ended up in the ER which I'm really grateful for now as painful and as embarrassing and horrific. That was, as a matter of fact, I didn't even talk about it for many, many years with anybody um, that that happened to me. But I do tell and share that story now because a lot of people get relief from understanding, you know, to the depth of our adversity and suffering. On the flip side of that, there is compassion and elation and joy uh, making it through something like that. Um, and so once that happened, I started seeking and I started looking for something that really would uh, be more purposeful in my life. And that's when I found hypnosis. Um, and I remember realizing that the very moment when I really understood what hypnosis was, it's like this light bulb moment, um, it helps us to reprogram how we think and feel. And so as a programmer, you know, and looking for, you know, like pattern matching, and how do you program something for a desired outcome? Well, we can do that with our own internal state, which I call our uh, inner OS, like iOS, but um, but inner OS for our uh, for ourselves. And our if you can control system, your yeah. yeah, our inner operating system. So if you can control your inner operating system, that is the fastest path to happiness and satisfaction in life, self-actualization and everything that you want. So, you know, becoming a hypnotist was right up my alley and it's been awesome ever since. Better than I ever thought. So you went through this low point and you were introduced to hypnotism and you tried it out and it worked for you. Is that kind of the path? Yeah, pretty much. I mean, it wasn't just hypnosis that I tried. I tried all sorts of other things. I was reading lots of books. I was trying, uh, you know, energy medicine, breathing techniques. I was reading about, you know, how to be an author, how to create music. I was really trying all sorts of different things. And it was hypnosis that really resonated with me um, as far as this is what I need and this is what is going to work for me. So full disclosure for the listeners, uh, like I said, and I think I talked about this on one other episode. I didn't actually talk about this for a while because 
I don't know that maybe there's a little bit of a stigma I thought around hypnosis and I, you know, I'll call it hypnotherapy. And I, I don't, I think there's a, you know, like we talked about a little bit earlier is there's a difference, you know, I guess, uh, legally it, it cannot be called hypnotherapy, you know, kind of by the books. Um, so there's hypnosis and hypnotherapy kind of the same thing. We're talking, we're talking about the same thing. So f- for the listener, if we go back and forth between that, uh, we're really talking about the same thing, but uh, let me just start with this. My first impression of hypnosis was my freshman year in college at the University of Virginia. They bring in this hypnotist every year and it's like a super popular event and all the students you know, show up at the amphitheater and this hypnotist will bring up like 20 students and they'll all you know, sit in chairs and he will hypnotize them and he will kind of you know, tell a few of them, okay, sorry, you go back to the audience, go back to the audience, go back to the audience. And, and he would start with maybe 20 and he'd end up with like seven or eight or something like that. Well, one of my friends, one of my wrestling teammates, who's now a doctor, a pretty serious guy, he got hypnotized and he was up there clucking like a chicken and doing all kinds of silly things. And I, I don't know how to explain it, right? So that was my first impression of hypnotism is that real and okay so so fast forward you know 25 years and i go to see a hypnotherapist and i believe in this stuff but i i don't know how i got i guess i got over that sort of hurdle at some point because i really wanted to work on my mindset and reprogram how i think and feel but i I still can't explain that instance and that's pretty much most people's uh, first experience with hypnotism is that. Can you explain that for me? Right. Yeah, it's, it's very common for people, especially now since um, a lot of high school graduations include a state, what we would call a stage hypnotist, right? And then you have your, your hypnotist who's working in the office, um, usually on different types of issues. But yeah, I can absolutely explain it. First of all, <clears throat> you did a great job of explaining kind of how it works. Um, it really is hypnosis. But here is the distinction. First of all, clearly it's for entertainment purposes, right? So, you know, there are some things in life that are for entertainment purposes and and the intention is different than what you would go see your hypnotist in the office for, for something like stopping smoking or stopping drinking. But here's how the method actually works. Um, So all of those 20 people get up on stage. Now the hypnotist is going to ask these people, basically you move here, you sit over there, and asking everybody basically to change and move. And really what the hypnotist is looking for is someone who is just following instruction without hesitation. And so if the hypnotist is asking you, I want you to move over here. And you're like, well, why do you want me to move over there? You know, the hypnotist will ask you to probably, you know, thank you very much and and ask you to leave the stage because that's really what they're looking for. Someone who's just kind of willing to follow instruction up on stage. And, And we all probably know people in our life who would love to get up on stage and would love to be the center of attention and would love to do all of that type of stuff. So they're willing to play along. Well, guess what happens at some point along the way there, when the hypnosis kicks in, um, they just continue to follow instruction, right? And so it really is hypnosis, but it's for a completely different purpose. And when I have clients ask me, are you going to make me bark like a dog or cluck like a chicken? One of the, my responses will be, well, do you want to bark like a dog? Because I, I've never had a client 
asked me to do that for therapeutic reasons. Like there's never really been a need. Most of the people come to me for things in their life that they might find a little more resourceful or helpful, like helping them stop drinking and helping them, you know, sleep better at night or eat healthier and lose weight. And so most people understand at that point, oh, I get it. It's, you know, that is for entertaining purposes. And when you get into the office, it's like, look how powerful the mind is. If you can bark like a dog up on stage, what do you think you could do in the hypnosis office when it's just you and me and you can focus on something that truly is meaningful and powerful to you? So I think I'm getting it. So the person who is doing all the silly stuff on stage, they are easily, you know, they, they're, they're, they're willing. They're, they're willing to do these things. They're, they're choosing and willing to go up and almost have an excuse and have permission to, to do these things and maybe, you know, get some attention, be the center of attention. Even if they are not the person who wants to be the center of the attention at the party, they can accept these suggestions and, and go ahead and move forward with it, right? Absolutely. Hypnosis is an opt-in state. So all hypnosis can be considered self-hypnosis. You can always block um, hypnosis if somebody is helping you with that. So it's something that um, that you are entering into on your own. You have to be willing uh, to do it. I mean, and and so we get folks in the hypnosis center, uh, my hypnosis center, and one common issue that, that happens is a spouse or a parent We'll call us and ask to have, you know, their partner or their child, we want you to hypnotize, you know, Bob so that he stops smoking. Well, the first question I'm going to ask Bob is, do you right. want to stop smoking? Right. Um, they have to want it, right? And I, can I tell you something embarrassing, Erica? Of course. My first session uh, with my hypnotherapist, I had my phone in my pocket and I hit the record button, <laughs> the record button, and oh. I recorded the whole session because I was like, I don't know if this is like, is he going to have me clucking like a chicken? Like, I want to be able to remember what happened here, right? You know, Mm -hmm. Um, and, but it was, I'll describe it in my sort of lay terms and and, and maybe this describes it well, maybe it doesn't, but I'll describe it for the listener. It was, for me, it was almost going into a guided meditative state where I was totally aware and I could at any moment just kind of sit up and walk out of the room if I wanted to, but I chose not to and I didn't want to and I wanted to be there and I wanted to go deep and I wanted to explore my mind and I wanted to explore past experiences in my life that influenced me. And so, so that's, that's what it is. Right? That, that's what, at least what it was for me. So what, what, like, for the listener who's thinking like, okay, um, how can it really help me? Like, wh- why does it work? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, so have you ever known that you want to do something? And, and I'll just pick losing weight or eating healthy because it's just so common. Sure. I know I want to eat healthy because I want to lose weight. And so you know that in your head. But when it comes right down to it in that moment, you continue to make bad decisions. So for example, um, you wake up early in the morning, you pack your lunch, Um, You have a healthy breakfast, you pack your lunch, you put your gym clothes in the car, you go to work, and everything's set for you to have an awesome day and stay on track. And everything's going well, you eat your healthy lunch. Well, in the afternoon, maybe you get in an argument with a coworker, and before you realize it, and against everything that you've already planned, you're zooming off over to Starbucks, or you're zooming off over to you know, Dairy Queen, and you find yourself in the drive-thru on the way home, and then all of a sudden you realize, I wasn't going to do this. 
right? I hadn't planned on this. I was going to eat healthy tonight. And a lot of people will think, well, what's wrong with me? Is there something wrong with me? And so that type of thinking is what I usually say, you know, hypnosis is a really good tool for that because you know you want to do it, but in the moment, um, you don't feel like it. And so you're not following through on what you know you want because you don't feel like it in the moment. And why is that happening? Well, there's usually information or data um, in your mind, uh, what we call the subconscious part of the mind. So it's not unconscious, right? It's not something an unconscious would be considered, you know, uh, the autonomic processing of your body beating your heart, that type of a thing. And then the conscious mind, what you're focused and aware of. The subconscious mind controls our behavior, but we're not consciously aware of it. And so we have all of this information and all of these things that are impacting our life, but we're not aware of it. So that's a real indicator that, oh my gosh, hypnosis could help me with this because we tap into the subconscious mind and figure out what's driving that behavior, even though I didn't want to do it. So you figure out what's driving the behavior and that, that hits the nail on the head in terms of you know, what my clients and, and listeners and myself deal with is, is being consistent, like consistently eating well, consistently working out, consistently you know, making the sales calls, consistently using the tone of voice that you want with your kids or spouse, right? So how, but how, how do you, how does hypnosis impact that, right? So you, you identify that there are these things that you're not consistent with, right? How, how does hypnosis actually change that? What hypnosis does is it gets you into a state of being where you're able to access that information. It's kind of like what happens when we dream, except you get to do it during the middle of the day. Uh, one of the analogies that I like to, to use is imagine that you walk in a completely dark room. Now, your conscious mind is like a flashlight. You can use that flashlight and point it wherever you want. That's your attention. So you're in a dark room, you have the flashlight, and you can point that flashlight wherever you'd like. Now, with hypnosis and dealing with the subconscious mind, it's almost as if you can walk in the room and just turn the light on. And so everything, all of your internal state, your emotions, all of your memories, are illuminated. And so you become aware of something that you weren't aware of before. Now, once you become aware of it, it's not going to be a big surprise to you. We're not talking about, you know, memory loss or anything like that. We're talking about something that is in your mind that's driving your behavior. You're just not consciously aware of it. And so hypnosis allows us to bypass what's called the critical factor. The critical factor is the part of you that's kind of it's like the, the guard at the gate of our mind and it kind of is judging all of our behaviors like, oh, you don't believe in that or you're not good enough, something like that. In hypnosis, we get to bypass that component of our mind and go directly into the subconscious mind, find out where that data is, that information is, those limiting beliefs are, those things that are driving our behavior. And once we kind of shine the light on it, illuminate it, now we have an opportunity to make a change if we'd like. For the listener who's never been hypnotized, and I've only done it a few times, can you explain the process, right? Like, so what, I guess, what's the best kind of uh, pocket watch and chain to hold to swing in front of somebody when they're getting hypnotized? Right. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, okay, that's so that's a joke, by the way, for the listener. But that, that's right, that's sort of the, the, the impression people have, right? But what, what is the process, right? You sit in a chair, you start talking, and does the person who being hypnotized, do they talk at all? Do they not talk at all? Tell me, tell us, tell, tell us about that process. 
Sure. So the first thing that we want to do is is build some really good rapport with the client because, you know, if the if the client doesn't trust the hypnotist, they're not going to want to be vulnerable and open up to what they might find in their subconscious based on their past life, that type of a thing, or what's happened in their past is what I meant to say. And so there has to be that good trust and rapport. And so that's the first thing that a, a hypnotist will do is just make sure that the client feels safe and comfortable and teaches them about hypnosis and that hypnosis is a normal and natural state of mind and that we do it all of the time. And then come up with a plan, basically, for the change that they want to make. And then once the time for the formal hypnosis uh, component uh, is ready, then the client usually sits in a comfortable chair. And then what's ha- what happens is it's called a hypnotic induction. And the induction will induce hypnosis from a normal state of consciousness to a hypnotic state of consciousness. And that usually is done with the following. It's usually relaxing the body. So the first thing that will usually happen is let's relax the body. And then after you relax the body, then you can relax the mind. And once you've relaxed the mind, then you're able to help the client become aware of some of those limiting beliefs. Now, there's a couple different types of hypnosis. The type of hypnosis that I use is called insight hypnosis. So there is dialogue. There is back and forth between the client and the hypnotist. And I find that's the most useful uh, rather than another style of hypnosis, which is where hypnotists will effectively just read a script or read something that they wrote to the client. Um, but I highly recommend the interactive approach because otherwise it's hard to tell um, how your client is reacting or receiving the information that you're sharing. Yeah, that's what I did. I uh, Mine was interactive. Uh, some Some of it was, right? Most of it was uh, him leading me through this. And then there would be some talking and some interaction. He would ask me questions and we would go different, you know, go different directions from there. Yeah. And that's just a general overview because there's other ways to do a hypnotic induction as well. There are things that you can do to kind of confuse the mind. And when the, when the mind is a little bit confused, it will do what's called a transderivational search in the brain. So it's searching for things and that brings you into the subconscious mind as well. So there's a lot of different ways to do that um, to help clients. And for most hypnotists, they will do what's called a client-centered focus, which is we're going to use a technique that's best for this particular client, an individual client, what they're presenting with and how, you know, how their mind is currently made up, basically, like how they operate. So this can be, this can be helpful with losing weight. It can be helpful with quitting smoking. Can it be helpful with performance? Can it be helpful with dealing with, well, with the topic of this podcast, dealing with failure and setback and adversity? Oh, absolutely. You know, the way that I like to describe hypnosis really is something you think you should be able to do, but you're not able to do it. It can help you because there has to be that information that what I call, there's some bad data inside and the bad data inside, you could also call limiting belief. I'm not good enough. I'm not smart enough. You know, my brother's smarter than me. I'll never you know, I'll never be successful in my life, all of those types of things, even if they've happened to us years ago, even if you think you've addressed it, um, if you're not able to do what you'd like, uh, hypnosis is a good tool. So yeah, performance, sports performance, musicians, public speaking, entrepreneurs, and then all of the kind of what we call too much behaviors, drinking too much, smoking too much, eating too much. Um, I use hypnosis in my everyday life for performance when it comes to 
inspiration, motivation, overcoming procrastination, and getting clarity and focus. So a lot of the work that I do, I do on myself uh, for self-actualization and high performance. And then I use that when I'm working with entrepreneurs. How many sessions before somebody begins to see results? Uh, they'll get results on the first session, but on average, I work with clients, I would say four or five sessions. And I think that's really important because there's a lot of folks out there who like to talk about a single session cure or something like that. And we don't use the word cure anyway, but I think that it's a mistake to think that you can help somebody, especially with a really big issue, maybe something they've been dealing with their whole life in a matter of a couple of hours. And so it's important for us to work with clients for multiple sessions because we, they get to come back and tell us how things are going. Um, and then we get to proceed. And, you know, most of the issues that people come to hypnotists for are complex and it's things that they have been dealing with most of their lives. It's not something that just happened last week. It's usually they, at this point, at least they've tried other things first and have been unsuccessful. And, and then they come to the hypnotist. What is it that usually opens people's eyes to it? I mean, what is it that makes people say, you know what, I'm going to, I'm going to give this a try, right? And I'm thinking more about, you know, my listeners who are, or folks who are looking to perform at their maximum, like they're looking to reach their potential, right? And is it that they've tried other things and, you know, like you said, they've identified something that they feel like they should be able to do, but can't, uh, and they've, you know, exhausted other options. I mean, what is it that usually brings people to a hypnotist? Yeah, I would say there's a couple of things. First of all, for um, I would say the general public, not maybe your audience, but it usually is some level of kind of desperation. So they're like, I've tried everything. I'm desperate. I don't even believe in hypnosis or whatever you're doing, but I don't have another choice. And if I don't fix this, I'm going to, I don't know where I'll be next week or something like that. So that's usually like when people are coming to us for stopping smoking, stopping drinking, that type of a thing. They're, they're experiencing, unfortunately, some level of hopelessness and desperation. And so we get a lot of clients that come to us for that state. And then on the, the other side of that, so for the high performers, um, first of all, they understand mindset and how powerful the mind is. And they, and they know how important it is to be able to tap into their subconscious mind. And so what usually brings someone to a hypnotist at that state, it's usually a personal connection or like someone will read my book. So they become intrigued by hypnosis and they want that edge. They want something that not everybody else is doing. And so that's when they come and want to work with me. Uh, other times too, like um, for example, a lot of entrepreneurs, I work with a lot of entrepreneurs and authors, they still do have some of those things going on. And so you know, they'll say, Erica, you know, I, I really want to do the best for my business, or I just published this book. And now I want to do a TED talk, or I want to get up on stage, but I'm not comfortable with my body. And so I want to lose weight. And so a lot of it has to do with just being their best selves. And they still kind of have this issue, you know, so it's like they're successful in every area of their life. But this one thing is just kind of driving them crazy. And that's usually when they come and talk to me. Yeah. And I encourage the listener to, to consider this, right? Just consider it. You know, there are amazing high performers around the world who use hypnotherapy, Tiger Woods, Kevin Costner, Barack Obama, Matt Damon, Jack Nicholas, Sylvester Stallone. And these are just some of the names that I've, you know, just a, a quick internet search uh, uh, shows you some folks who, who, who use it. Right. And, and you think of, you know, I think of Tiger Woods as, you know, certainly somebody who uh, uh, I think has uh, some, some moral issues for sure but as an elite performer, right? Like all of those things aside, 
an elite performer, like one of the best in the world. And, and he uses hypnotherapy, right? So, so I encourage the listeners to, to think about this as uh, just another way right, to get an edge, right? Erica, people want to know, especially my listeners, and you know, they want to know, like, what are the secrets of mind control? Like, how do you control the mind? How do you control your thoughts and, and maximize your potential? Right. And I get this question a lot because people think that hypnosis is mind control. And what I tell them, yes, is for you to control your own mind. Right. So that's the very first thing. Secrets of mind control. You can only control your own mind. Okay. So hypnotists can't control your mind. Nobody else can control your mind. You can control your own mind. So one of the hacks is to train yourself on focus or attention. Whatever we pay attention to is very important to the mind. We have basically control of two things in our life, what we pay attention to and how we respond. And so focus, what are you focusing on? Whatever you focus on grows. So right now, wherever you are listening to this podcast, I want you to focus on your tongue and your mouth. And as I say that, you probably just feel your tongue in your mouth where you didn't a moment ago. And the reason is because I just mentioned it. Yeah. And so whatever we focus on grows. And so uh, be very focused and intentional about what you are focusing on. Now, another um, secret to mind control is understanding our biology. Uh, it's important to learn to control your nervous system. So if your nervous system is out of control, you're going to be super anxious all the time and you're going to be uh, maybe depressed or sleepy all the time. If you get control over your nervous system, now you can calm down and focus when you need to, and you can get inspired and motivated when you need to. So wouldn't it be nice just to press a button that said inspire <laughs> or press a button that said recharge? That's what hypnosis can do for you if you learn the secrets of biology and focus. So um, the next thing is feelings. We need to be paying attention to our feelings because our feelings are really being driven from our subconscious. And for many generations, we have been taught to ignore our feelings. And we've been taught that feelings are, you know, you're being too sensitive or that type of a thing and everything should be rational. Well, guess what? Those feelings are coming from your subconscious. And if you pay attention to them, there is a secret in that feeling. So our feelings are designed to motivate us to do something. When you allow yourself to pay attention to them and ask yourself, like, what is that feeling and what is it trying to tell me to do? That is definitely a secret of mind control. Yeah, I'm, I'm a big believer in, in really paying attention to your feelings and, 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 you know, cultivating feelings that you want to have, but also, you know, just being mindful, right? Just, I mean, meditation and other uh, journaling, I find to be super helpful ways of, of simply being mindful of, of these thoughts and these feelings that, that you're talking about. Right. And I would say my, my favorite mind control hack is curiosity. And so if you could train yourself to just, instead of getting angry, instead of getting frustrated, instead of getting anxious, instead of all of some of those, what we would call negative feelings, just be curious and ask yourself, I wonder why my brain is doing that. That's so interesting. Why did my brain do that? Um, if you can take that approach where you're kind of stepping outside of yourself and looking back at the functioning of your brain, it will help you feel more calm and relaxed in that moment and be able to uh, make a good decision whatever's going on. So I would always default to curiosity, whatever is happening in, in that moment. Erica, what do you know about 
neurolinguistic programming NLP and is does it play a role in hypnotism? I would say that there are two different techniques that are often paired and used together. They are different from each other. They function differently. And so one of the ways that I like to describe NLP, NLP is like data on the drive. It's like the ones and the zeros. It's how you are experiencing this moment. So for all of your listeners out there, NLP would be like, if you're sitting in your car listening to this, that's your experience. Me, I'm sitting in my office recording it. That's my experience. And so if we were to um, somehow meet one day and we talked about this episode, you'd be able to tell me about how you were driving and something you know, about this episode meant something to you while you were driving. And I'd be able to say, oh, I was sitting in my office and Jim asked me this awesome question and, and that's my experience. And so we have these different experiences of that kind of that same moment. Now, the thing that NLP is really useful for are things like changing that experience. And so if somebody is feeling overwhelmed, think of like a phobia, um, a lot of people with a phobia, for example, think of a spider phobia. If you ask someone with arachnophobia uh, about a spider and, and what it looks like and feels like to them, they're going to tell you that in their mind when they think of a spider, they're thinking of like a six foot spider. Now, I'm not afraid of spiders, but if I saw a six foot spider, I'd be afraid of it for sure. And so NLP would help to take that six foot spider and make it really small again in the mind of the client and bring it back to a reasonable size. And now the client isn't afraid of like this teeny tiny little spider. So it is all about these perceptions and how we are kind of interacting with the world around us and the language that goes with that. And it's a little bit different than hypnosis where we're asking our client really to kind of just go deeper inside and the meaning that gets applied to those experiences. Um, maybe not necessarily the that they were in the car at the time or that they saw certain things that we would call sensory data. It's more about what's really going on inside uh, and the meaning that gets applied to that. So that's where hypnosis and NLP are a little bit different, but why they work so well together because they're both important. I want to ask you about that, the meaning that we apply to an experience, right? Because we might look back and say, okay, well, I tried to lose weight one other time and I failed. Um, so I'm applying a meaning to that experience of failure or I can't do this or see, I knew that I wasn't good enough to do this, um, whether it's, you know, losing weight or stopping smoking or starting a business, right? I tried that before, or I tried public speaking before and I got in front of the audience and, and it was terrible or I got really nervous. And um, so we apply a meaning to an experience, right? We just, by default, we do. Does NLP and or hypnosis help us look at that and say, wait a second, there's maybe a different way to look at that that could be helpful? Yes, absolutely. As a matter of fact, you know, our brain is a meaning maker. We're making meaning about everything. And if you think about, you know, like when we're little kids and we're learning to walk, right, we might fall down hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of times before we get up. Um, and you think about maybe the adults in the room, they're watching this little person, you know, try and walk and fall, walk and fall, walk and fall. Now, of course, the adults in the room hopefully are encouraging this little person, right? Hey, almost there, keep going and clapping and smiling and encouraging that person to keep going. But on the other hand, a lot of people have experiences with adults 
um, and other, it doesn't even have to be adult. It would just be another human, like bullying in school where an adult or somebody else might say to them, I wish I never would have had you, or you're dumb, you're stupid, you're fat. You will always be that way. Your mom is fat, your dad is fat, all of that stuff that gets recorded. And so without even realizing it now, that person as an adult, that's coming from the subconscious mind, right? This message that you're always going to be overweight, except they're not consciously aware of it because it happened so long ago. And so in hypnosis, we're able to help the client become aware of that. And then as an adult, they can choose to release that limiting belief and just say, no, that's not true. I can do this. We do this to ourselves too, don't we? Don't we beat ourselves up? We fail or, or, you know, we have uh, a list of 10 sales calls, 20 sales calls that we have to make today. And, and we don't get around to it. We keep kicking the can down the road and we procrastinate, right? Or there's, there's the, the book that we want to write or the business we want to start or the relationship that we want to heal. And don't we, don't we beat ourselves up too? So sometimes it's external. Isn't it internal sometimes too? Oh, I would say it's always internal because even if you got that message now as an adult, something that somebody would say to you when you were little, like, you know, you're no good, uh, you can reject that statement. And so, for example, uh, nowadays, what a lot of people do if if somebody is name calling or bullying online or all of that type of a thing, the best thought to have is, geez, what's that person's problem? I guess they're having a bad day. That's, that is why they're treating me that way. So all of it, I think, is internal. And it's whether we accept that message or not. Yeah. Fascinating. Absolutely. And this is about getting inside of our own heads and, you know, unlocking those limiting beliefs because, you know, when I ask the question of myself a lot, what's holding you back? What's holding you back? And I ask that of my clients. And if the answer is ever anything external, uh, I challenge that because really it starts on the inside. Like what's holding me back? Well, first of all, me. Um, And if my podcast has taught us anything, it's taught us that I've, you know, I had a blind uh, gentleman on my podcast named Eric Weinmayer who climbed Mount Everest and went water kayak to Grand Canyon. Okay, what's holding you back? Being blind? No. Okay, that's not an excuse. Uh, another uh, individual who is a four um, quadruple uh, congenital amputee, no arms, no legs. I've seen him wrestle at a high level. I saw him wrestle and beat other high school wrestlers at a national tournament. Uh, he's climbed uh, some of the highest peaks in the world. What's holding you back? Well, me is the first answer, right? That's always the first (laughs) answer. And it's internal. This is, for my listeners, this is deep internal work. This is where it starts. I encourage you to consider this. I encourage you to look into this more. Erica, for the listener who is saying to themselves, this is interesting, or I'm in and I want to take the next step. What's one thing that they can do in the next 24 or 48 hours to take the next step and and learn more about this and maybe even consider learning this as a, as a skill themselves? Yeah, that's a great question. There's a a lot of things that people can do to learn about hypnosis, but I, I would definitely ask yourself, what's one thing that I think I should be able to do that I'm not doing right now? And that's a good candidate for hypnosis. Something else that could be done right now, I do have a hypnosis recording um, that I'm giving away. So um, you, know, you can get a hypnosis recording and experience at least a little bit of it. 
the recordings aren't nearly as good as working with somebody live because recordings, of course, are kind of more generalized. They're for a larger population. They're not just for somebody individual, but you could experience that hypnosis recording and then it will shift your state of being. So in that moment, you will very likely, oh, I feel better. Like, I feel like I just uh, rested or I feel like I just got some relief. And so I am convinced now that there's something more going on that I want to learn about. So those are the two things that I would do right now. Excellent. Now a question for you. Can hypnosis be done via Zoom? And I guess maybe the answer is at least partially yes, because you said, you know, you can get, we can get this recording. Um, and I want you to let us know where we can, where the listeners can, can download that and check that out. But in this you know, world that we're living in right now with the coronavirus and COVID-19, is that an option? Oh, absolutely. As a matter of fact, I've been working with people from around the world, mostly because of my book. So people will get my books and then they contact me. And so I've been working on Zoom with Zoom remotely with clients for years. And it works really, really well. As a matter of fact, a lot of clients prefer it because they get to be in the comfort of their own home and where they already feel comfortable. Um, as far as getting the recording, uh, the recording, you can go to cascadehypnosiscenter.com forward slash breathe. And the free recording is there for you to, uh, to download and listen to and let it help you. The, the way that I like to use it is in the middle of the day, like around 3 or 4 p.m. when you're starting to feel that energetic low, pop that recording in. It's 17 minutes and just notice how much better you feel when it's over. I created the recording because I worked with high performers and they are getting that kind of low in the afternoon and wanting to turn to sugar, you know, with the like donuts in the break room type of a thing. After listening to the recording, they went back to work. So instead they go back to work and get a whole bunch more work done. So they're just as productive the second half of their day as they are the first half of their day. So they end up going home feeling even more fulfilled and happy about their work day. Okay, again, so for the listeners, that link is cascadehypnosiscenter.com slash breathe, B-R-E-T-H-E. And of course, we'll have that link in the action plan. Just go to jimharshawjr.com slash action. We'll have the link there as well as all the tips and tactics and great quotes that Erica shared with us here today. Erica, um, how else can the listeners find you, follow you, learn more about you, buy your books, et cetera? Uh, they can come to ericaflint.com is another way. And I'm, you know, you can just search for me on Facebook and, uh, you know, Cascade Hypnosis Center on Instagram, LinkedIn, all of the places where I like to share um, mind hacks, how to use hypnosis, how to control your nervous system, all of those things. Love it. Excellent. Erica, thank you so much for making time to come on the show. Yeah, it's been wonderful, Jim. Thank you so much for having me. And for the listeners, as always, until next time, take the time to get clear on your goals and embrace failure as a stepping stone on your path to success. Mm-hmm.